the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Okay, and welcome to tonight's webinar on ACT and SAT tips. Five things parents and kids get wrong about the SAT and the ACT. My name is Andy Lockwood, and with me is our special guest and celebrity tutor, Marissa Lunenberg. Hello, Marissa. How are you doing? So uh, before we start, I just want to let you know that you are in the right place if you have been getting conflicting and just odd-sounding advice from other parents, from guidance counselors, possibly from other tutors about the SAT and the, and the ACT, which test is best, which one should you take for your child, uh, which one should your child take, when should you start. All these types of things typically float around in the, uh, in the ethers as we get into the school year. And the goal for this webinar is to help you sort through a lot of those misconceptions and urban legends and half-truths and what we're uh, planning on doing is helping you cut through the clutter to uh, to learn how to crush either the SAT or the ACT, because of course, the higher your scores, the better your odds of getting into the schools that you wanna get into, and not for nothing, better odds of getting more scholarships, fat, juicy, windfall scholarships. So please uh, introduce yourselves in chat. Um, Marissa, I don't know why I can't see you on in this uh, on my panel here because I can see you on my monitor here. So that's kind of disturbing to me. Um, and let me see who's with us. So I see a bunch of people coming on. Hello to Gary. Um, if you can see and hear both of us, let me know. I have a blank panel here with Marissa, although I can see you. You can see yourself too. Okay, well that makes two of us. Um, now we're getting Jonathan can't see Marissa either. That is interesting. You know what you should do is um, maybe uh, log out and log back in and see if that does anything. Because um, that that only take about thirty seconds. So just just do that. Um, so for everyone else, as, as you're coming on, I just want to say, uh, I know you have other things to do tonight, so thanks for attending. Um, you could have done, you know, God knows what else. You're, the school year starting, good TV on or something. Um, but it shows that, you know, you actually are action takers, and that's, uh, that's very important because Marissa and I and other of our colleagues here at Lockwood College Prep, we talk to parents all the time who – say to us, you know, I've been watching your webinars. I meant to contact you. Um, now I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. I'm all stressed out. Like, what can I do? So it's great that you are here and, and taking action. Um, I just want to give one word of warning here as Marissa tries to lock, lock back in here. This webinar is not a silver bullet. Not a magic, we don't have a magic wand. Um, it's really, it's really um, you know, to succeed in test prep. This is like a Captain Obvious thing. You really, you really have to be uh, willing to do the work. All right, Marissa, you're on. I see you. So, oh, great. So hello to John, Dan. I already said hi to Jonathan, Gary, David. Let us know where you're from, by the way, and then let us know that you can see and hear us both uh, so we don't have any more tech issues. So, Marissa, tell us a little bit about your decades, plural, of experience and how you, uh, how you got into test prep just so – people can understand your background and that you know what you're talking about. Uh, well, I actually started teaching the SAT back in the late 90s. Um, it was a part-time job in college, just so I could have some pocket money. But I was also so good at doing standardized tests that it was just something that I really enjoyed. In fact, in, in high school, I used to joke, like, I wish there was a job that you could just have you taking standardized tests. This is really the closest you can get to that. Um, you think that's normal because it was always the thing that I was best at. Like I was better at taking <laughs> the SAT and any standardized test better than like any class <laughs> I had ever taken. Okay. So it worked out for me. Okay. Um, I found my place in the world. Um, I took a break. I went to law school. It's actually, I think 
improved my tutoring and, and teaching abilities because it really showed me how to read quickly and efficiently. So I like to pass those tips on to my students in class. Um, since I work with very large test prep companies and very small ones, um, also I've worked for myself. So I've sort of taken what I can from all of my different jobs and sort of put it all together into what I teach my students now. And I also take these standardized tests myself. Every time a new practice test comes out, I take it so that I'm on top of any changes and, and I just have a lot of experience recognizing the patterns of the tests. So um, I don't want to get out of the scope already, so I'm just going to mention this, but I, I don't, uh, you've told the story before about how you've been uh, recruited from by other big and smaller companies and some of the shocking things you've learned about the, shall we say, lack of quality of what they're looking for in hires and all that. So maybe we should say that for an, another day as we as we get in here. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, right. lots of shocking secrets. Okay, okay. Maybe, if we have, maybe if we have time. Okay, so, um, so I'm assuming everyone can see in here now. Uh, hello to Shabina, Howard, Kim Borg, John, Dan. Um, let us know that you can see us fine because I have a monitor here and now I can see Marissa fine. Everything looks good to me. So let's get right into the five things that uh, parents and kids get wrong about the SAT and the ACT. All right, Marissa, so the first one we came up with was um, just not focusing on one test, splitting time and effort between prepping for both the SAT and the ACT, so. Yeah, some parents actually think not all schools take both tests, so that's also another common misconception, but I do find that a lot of students are just better suited to one test than another. Um, so I think it takes a, it makes a lot more sense for a student to focus all of his or her energy prepping for one test rather than the other one. It gets overwhelming studying for two somewhat different tests at the same time. And then every two weeks you're taking another actual test, either SAT or ACT. So I think as far as time and money and overall stress, for most people it makes sense to focus on one. Once in a while I have had students come back after they've learned say the SAT and then they want to give the ACT a shot in their senior year. I think that's fine, but doing them both at the same time is really too much for most people. I think a lot of people don't understand, um, or maybe they understand intuitively, but they don't really uh, logically get this, is that um, it's so hard to balance everything, typically in 11th grade with hardest year academically kids have ever had, um, usually the most involved they'll ever be in terms of extracurriculars plus social stuff and you know you, you name it club sports etc to then not uh, focus uh, on the highest and best use of their time and instead be scattershot and and waste you know time bright shiny objects bopping from one test to the other is 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 a recipe for for disaster and what it leads to unfortunately I, I've been talking to a fair amount of seniors this year. And this is, you know, the beginning of September, is they have all this pressure on them because they still haven't hit the top end of their range. They they're trying to come up with a hail mary to uh, to hit their top score to get into the schools that they've been you know, lusting after. And that's just it's hard. It's hard to do this under pressure. So you really need to start early and, and work smart. Um. So how do you how do you actually? How do you actually help people figure out which test is best? Which, which one should they take? That's, I think we should talk about that. Well, my favorite way is to give them a diagnostic test. Uh, we have a combination diagnostic that's half SAT, half ACT, so that a student can take in just three hours um, instead of six that it would take to take two of them to get a pretty good idea as to like what the potential score would be at this point, and more importantly, which test that student is better at. We can tell that both by the performance, how that student scored on the test, and also by the student's preference. In addition to that, I like to, I have a questionnaire and sometimes I talk to the student and parents about the student's strengths and weaknesses. The ACT generally is a faster test, so that's better for students who are fast readers. The SAT is slower, but it's more heavily focused on math. So for a slower reader and for a student who's very strong in math, the SAT is often a better choice. Um, but you know, a lot, a lot of factors <laughs> are involved in, in the decision. Good. Okay. Um, but I think it's a lot better than just kind of winging it. 
you know, having given giving a diagnostic and extrapolating from there is, uh, is a great time saver. So um, if you're just joining us, this is five things that parents and kids get wrong about the SAT and the ACT, and I'm interviewing our tutor, Marissa. And if you have a question, uh, I, I'm trying to describe this the right way, put it in comments, and then there's a like a three-dot vertical, vertical ellipses, I don't know. <laughs> Three dots. You just stick that toggle on that thing, and then it'll it'll flag your question as a question. I'll be able to to answer it in a few minutes. Okay. Um, what's the second thing that kids get wrong about and parents get wrong about the SAT and the ACT? Um, the failure to understand the differences between the two tests. Um, sort of discuss that a little bit. SAT is slower, much more focused on math. The ACT is faster, but there's also a science section, which I think we're going to discuss a little later. Are we moving on to, to number three? Well, I just wanted to, you know, you know, we did it advertise. There's going to be you know, five, five okay. big. So, so just, just to, um, just to emphasize that um, there are, there is overlap also, right? To, to be fair. Yes, there is, and and that's why it can make sense for students to sometimes take to move on to the next test after thoroughly preparing for the first test. There's gra the grammar is almost exactly the same in both tests. And of course, reading comprehension is very similar, although the methods, the strategies I teach are very different between the SAT and the ACT. Of course, a lot of the math, there's going to be overlap as well. It's, it's more strategies that are different between the test rather than the content itself. So, so give an example, if, if just to put you on the spot here, how you would teach a, a strategy for reading differently for each test. Well, the ACT is very fast-paced. So my strategies for the ACC are much more focused on dealing with the timing issues. Um, also, the, the reading sections are structured differently between the two tests. The questions are not in order on the ACT. So there's a special strategy like which order to do the questions on versus the SAT. They're in a more of a logical order. So I can teach the students to use that to their advantage. Good. Okay. That's good stuff. All right. So what about um, the, the third one? Uh, we hear this all the time. You know, my kid is uh, gets straight A's in school, but just can't do, you know, just can't hit the scores that we're hoping for. He or she is just not a good test taker. What do you say to that? I hear this is like one of the number one comments I get from parents. My kid has a 90 average, but is getting a low score on the test. Um, it's not a matter of being a good test taker or not. It's a matter of having proper preparation for the exam. Uh, this is not like the achievement test that they give in school where you can just take these things cold. You really need to prepare for this test. You need strategies. You need review of all of the content. Uh, and you need to take a lot of practice tests and review those practice tests in, in a very specific way in order to improve to your maximum score. So, yeah, I wouldn't say students not a good test taker, but rather just isn't properly prepared for the test. You know, they used to, I don't know if they still do it, but the College Board used to say um, it doesn't pay to prepare, you shouldn't have to. It, it kind of took a, a shot at the whole tutoring industry and test prep industry, you know, big companies like Kaplan and, and all that. Um, and, and that happened for years. I don't know if you remember that. Like, you could buy a, a, a book and it would actually say in the back something like, you know, you don't need to do anything other than just review the uh, Yeah, the I, I absolutely remember that. And they would just give you, like, you know, here's your four tests. Yeah. All you need is to study it, and the ACT said it too until very recently. Well, somewhere along the way, you know, the, the College Board partnered with Khan Academy, which is you know basically tutoring. You know, it's not yeah. it's uh, not the same level as what you do, but they sort of you know they sort of decided to um, abandon that um, that position, I guess. Yeah, um, and the ACT has come under a lot of criticism for doing the same thing because now the ACT has offered some sort of online prep. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in the prep that the tutoring that the um, test prep companies are offering. I, I've looked at the Khan Academy. It's not like a complete waste of time, but it's also not the most efficient way to get your score. Well, I, I think so, so much of, of what you do is you know the strategies and, and tactics is, is one thing, but but also you know holding kids accountable and. Um, and, and coaching them and having that type of relationship, that's something you can't really do with an online self-paced course. Yes. So I think the, the online stuff is probably right for many people, but it's definitely not right for all kids. 
And they, my biggest complaint is they don't teach strategy at all because they wouldn't want to admit that there is a strategy <laughs> or a tricks that you can use. So it's completely absent. They're just teaching you the content in the most time. It's taking too much time. You know, we don't have to go as in depth as a lot of these other companies do. You need to know just enough to get all the questions right in the exam, but you don't need to be an expert on, for instance, grammar or geometry. Right. So, so that I was thinking the same thing when you when you brought that up because I get that question a lot. Does Marissa teach more strategy or content? And I think what you just said is, you know, what I always tell people is that you teach the barest minimum amount of content necessary, and it's really more strategy driven. And yeah. I think also, this is a sharp contrast to a lot of um, English teach a lot of uh, high school teachers who teach English and math, whatever, who are also on the side tutoring kids. They may not be. Uh, waiting, they're, t they're teaching as heavily toward the, the strategies and they may be spending too much time on content. Do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. Because this is, that's just a side job for those teachers. I'm sure they're great at, you know, the topics that they teach, but to really be an expert on the test, you have to really be devoting yourself to this, to these tests, taking the practice sections, reading all the books that you can read about it and, and coming up with your own strategies where I find that most teachers are just straight up teaching this material the way they would do in class. And you're gonna need a lot more time to arrive at the same score if you're doing it with that method. Absolutely, okay. So um, if you're just joining us, I see a few people coming on here. Uh, and you have any questions about the SAT, the ACT, anything we talked about, anything that's related to what we talked about, just pop them in the comments section, flag it as a question by pressing that three dot vertical ellipsis thingy, the hamburger bun thingy, and um, and I will I will get to it in a few minutes. So we've talked about the, the first three things that parents and kids get wrong about the SAT and the ACT were uh, splitting your energy on, on both instead of just focusing on one. Colleges take both. They don't have a preference these days. They'll, they'll take either. So there's no point in um, dissipating your valuable time and energy. Number two. The second mistake was failure to understand the key differences. There's similarities and there's differences between the SAT and the ACT, and Marissa buzzed through a few of those. And then the third um, mistaken belief is that, uh, oh, my kid's not a good test taker. You know, high grades but low scores. And that can happen for a variety of reasons. It can be not practicing enough, not being conversant with the strategies. And frankly, it can also be sometimes that there's it's due to rampant grade inflation in, uh, in high schools, and sometimes that's the reason why why kids don't do well on tests, but we, we always see improvement. The more times you take the test, the better. Um, Marissa, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you were in the office, but I left you an article that uh, was a study that showed um, the, the benefits of retaking the test. You know, no surprise, but there's a big improvement from you know kids who uh, kids take it once versus who take it twice. Mm -hmm. and there's even more improvement from kids who take it three times versus two. And then there's also further improvement on average. There's just a point in diminishing returns. But you know, yeah. the more times you take it, the, the more improvement. How, how many times do you recommend people take it? <laughs> Getting ahead of you, sorry. Yeah. Um, my magic number is usually I'm aiming at three times. It depends on the kid. Sometimes you just want to keep going that extra, maybe the fourth or fifth time to get that extra point. And if, if, if the student is still improving, both in lessons and on homeworks and practice tests, then it can make sense to go beyond that. But I definitely wouldn't take it less or fewer than three times because that first time barely even counts. It's the first time you're completely overwhelmed. And every time you take it, you're just getting more comfortable with the process. So I think three three is a really great goal for most students. Um, I was talking to a, a client yesterday who's taken it, I think, twice. And he's doing a lot better on his practice test, but he's not performing as well as he had hoped on the actual test. Do you see that a lot? Like, the, how do you, um, Happen, what do you attribute um, that to? There, there are a few reasons. Sometimes the student isn't as strict with the timing as he or she should be. Generous? Yeah, they might be a little too generous with the timing. You know, you really need to be strict. And if, if you've got 35 minutes for that ACT reading section, you have to just stop at that 35. That includes not only doing reading instructions and, and doing the problems, but also bubbling in your answer sheet. Um, so that is one thing. It's just like, oh, just one more minute. And all of a sudden, they've get, gotten themselves an extra two points on that test. Um, other students might be suffering from test anxiety, where they're just completely overwhelmed when they're on the test itself. 
Uh, for those students, I really recommend taking the test as many times as possible because just that constant exposure to the experience is one of the best ways to combat anxiety about it. We have other strategies as well, but that's like my number one. Make sure you take that test a lot if you have test anxiety. It's a big deal. Uh, it's very common and there's no shame in it. And I know you spend a lot of time coaching kids through that aspect too, the yeah. mental component. So um, don't, you know, sometimes kids feel funny about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's so prevalent, so widespread. Okay. All right. Um, now let's talk about number four, which is avoiding the ACT because of the dreaded science section. Why is that a mistake? Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot of parents just completely dismiss the ACT off the bat. Oh, my, my son just is terrible in science. He needs science. The ACT is a science section, so we're not even going to look at it. The science section, by and large, is not testing your science knowledge. There are a handful of questions that do that, maybe two to four on a test out of 40. Um, but it is mostly a reading test. So if a student is good at reading, and particularly good at reading charts and graphs, the science section might actually be a great section for that student. It is also, I think, has maybe the steepest learning curve out of all of the sections on the ACT. Hmm. So you might take that practice test and like, oh my God, I had no idea what to do. I bombed it. But with practice and strategy, students can really, really make a huge difference in the science section. In fact, I just had a student in my class last week, if they're listening, they know who they are. Um, we're on the actual test, I think he had a 20 on the science section, and on our mock test, he had, had a 35. <laughs> Just, yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, you can see differences. I mean, that's obviously an unusual experience, yeah. but I have seen insane improvements on the science section, but it takes time. It can take months to get really good at the science. Okay. All right, so I see some questions coming in. So if, uh, if you're watching and listening, if you have any questions, just pop them in the comments section and then toggle that um, that three-dot thingy. And uh, yeah, we're getting some questions from Jonathan, from uh, Mick, Bill, and Kenneth. So anyone else, lob them in, and I'll get to them in a few minutes. Thank you for those questions. I see some good ones. All right, so the, the last mistake has to do with, uh, with timing, and this is actually one of the questions I think that um, – um, Mick asked too. So when, when, um, well, I guess the mistake would be starting too late. So when, when is the right time to start prepping ideally? And when, and then, uh, the second part of that question is, and when do most people start? Uh, earlier is better. Um, I love starting the summer before the junior year because you've got that nice long uninterrupted stretch of time where a student is stressed out and overwhelmed with the responsibilities of school and sports and whatever whatever other extracurriculars there are. Um, that's not to say that if you've got a junior now that it's too late because you've missed the summer. Um, some It really depends on the student's schedule. I have some students who are really, really busy with sports during the winter or during the fall and that it's almost impossible to find time to study. So I have a student now who we're really just planning on starting full force in the spring. I would not start any later than the spring of your junior year. I think that's the most common time to start, and that was just that's my limit. Like no later than maybe January is when I would actually start practicing for the test, because you want to have enough cushion that you can take the test multiple times if you need to. Things happen. I've had students get sick the day of the test. I have, you know, there's a snowstorm that cancels the test. Hurricane, you know, Florida. Yeah, exactly. So many things can happen that interfere with it. And you don't want to have that stress of urgency on top of that. Like, oh, my God, I have only have one more time to take this test. I've even had students who the, um, they had an irregularity, a so-called irregularity in the test room where, like, the marching band started playing during the last section of the test. And uh, once there was construction going on, and that can be really distracting. And, and they'll offer you a chance to retake that test for free. Um, without showing you your scores, of course, but then that's another two weeks or a month added onto the problem. So earlier is always better. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that's out of your control, like you said, the stuff that's in your control, but you need to prepare for the stuff that you cannot control. Um, a couple of years ago, in um, I think it was in Roslyn High School, 
in October, right around this, uh, close to this time of year, I think there were 51 or 53 ACT tests that went missing and were never found. And uh, we knew uh, just by coincidence, four of those test takers, three of which were seniors with a Hail Mary, and there was no recourse for them. They couldn't make up another free, uh, free exam because it was too late for their early decision deadlines. Yeah. So you really got to be, you know, ready. And you know, if you if you think three times is ideal or, or typical for people to take the same test um, over and over, then what, what would you recommend in terms of what you, what they should be doing in junior year to get those under their belt? Should they all should all three take place in the junior year? Um, I think yeah, I I think that's a good plan to have the three take place in the junior year, and then then students might choose to come back and take it again as. It really depends if the student is hitting his or her goal. Yeah, I mean, a lot of kids will, will peak in senior year just because they've been practicing, you know, um, since junior year. But if yeah. you start earlier, then you don't have to really worry about it in senior year. You know, you can take it maybe once or twice in the fall, once in the spring, and then, then be done. Now, yeah. now, you, I always hear you say, don't take it in June. Why, why is that? Well, I don't say don't take it in June, but like that's not really a serious test date because it's such a crazy time of year where students are preparing for the APs and then they're preparing for their final exams. So I don't, I don't ban my students from taking it in June, but I don't want that to be part of the official plan. Like that's just kind of a bonus test date because you're not going to be at the top of your game at that yeah. point in the year. It's hard to juggle everything, and that yeah. that is a peak pressure time, peak cortisol time. And some uh, parents, they come and that's their plan, is that's the first test. Right. That is the absolute worst time to start right. with thing. It would be like in the, the month before the June exam. Yeah, no, that's why I asked you, because I hear that all the time also. Yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know how that um, became known as the best time to take it somehow, but it's, it's probably the worst time. I hear rumors, something about, I don't know, seniors yeah. and lower better curve because the people taking the test then are worse test takers but that is just an urban legend at this point um yeah. the curves are they're not really curves they're it's equating and that's done before anyone takes the test so you're not being judged against the other people who are taking the test at that time so it is true some curves are easier than others um but it's random. We can't predict the, when it's going to happen. And, and theoretically, it shouldn't even matter because an easier curve will have a harder test and a harder, wait, yeah, an easier curve will have a harder test and a harder curve will have an easier test. So I wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> Just take the test at the most convenient times for you. Good. All right. So we have a bunch of questions coming in. I just want to put up this, um, this offer that we have and I want to ask you about it, but then we'll get to questions. From Lydia, Kevin, Robbie, Jonathan, Mick, uh, Bill, Kenneth, anyone else, just if you have a question, put it in comments and and hit that free that three dot thing that'll convert it from a comment to a question. That'll be easier for me to ask Marissa that. So we have um, our courses in the fall. Uh, we we posted that schedule. You can click on the blue enroll button to see that we're offering a one hundred dollar early action scholarship clever, I know, uh, to anyone who enrolls on uh, from this webinar. Can you talk a little bit about what parents and kids can expect in the classes and how you run them and, and um, what your expectations of them are, too? Okay. Uh, just to start about, talk about the differences between the classes. For the first time now, we're offering weekend and weekday classes. Um, the weekend course um, is more intensive. That's three hours per week of class time with about three hours per week of homework. And the weekday course is moderately hours per week. Um, as far as the classes themselves, I begin with giving strategies for all of the sections of the test, depending on which one you're taking, plus a review of math. We can't go over the you know every single topic in math, but I do review a lot of the common mistakes that, that students make. And I do give a complete course in grammar. Now, this is not a complete course in grammar like you take in high school or college, but it's all the grammar you need for either the SAT or the ACT. So it's kind of like grammar light, <laughs> but it's just what they need. Um, 
later classes uh, focus on reviewing practice tests. So I give the kids practice tests every single week. And as we review that, we're just constantly repeating and re reinforcing the rules and strategies that we learned in the beginning of the class, because it's not enough just to hear it once or even twice. You've got to hear these rules over and over again to have them really sink in. I think you asked a question about what I expect of my students. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I expect students to study on their own. So not a lot of studying. I'm not asking for three hours a day of studying, but maybe 10 or 15 minutes in math and 10 or 15 minutes in grammar every day just to get that constant repetition of rules so that you have all these things memorized in time for the test. And I also give practice. Typically for the three hour class, I'll probably give a full practice test per week as homework. It's done timed because it's very important to learn how to pace yourself. For the two hour uh, course, I'll probably give about two hours a week of practice sections, depending on you know which topics we're covering that week. Yeah, so implicit in what you're saying is kids can't just go to the classes and not do anything during the week and then go back and take the next class no. and improve. It's half me, it's half the class, and it's half on the students. You need to be doing that, that work on your own, otherwise you're not going to be getting a lot out of the class. Sure. Um, can you talk about the first class guarantee that we offer? Uh, yes, I believe we offer a guarantee that you get your money back if you're not satisfied with the class as long as you're making the request the same day, like after the class is over. So if anybody shows up and feels like they don't click or this is just too overwhelming for them, we don't ask any questions, we give the money back. I want students there who actually want to be there and who are learning from the test, yeah. from the class. Yeah, so, so we don't, so the important thing um, that I'm picking up on when you say that is that, you know, we're, we're not forcing anyone to be there. I, I remember um, maybe it was last year, it was probably a few, few classes ago where we got a refund request. Um, cause we've only had like, I don't know, two or three that I can think of off the top of my head. I think I know and, what you're saying. <laughs> and she, and you did, and you, the, mom, the mom asked for the refund. I asked you what happened. You said that the daughter spent like the entire, you know, 60 minutes in the bathroom or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She, she, she was there complete silence for the whole to class. And then one point she asked, she raised her hand. I said, oh, great, a question. And she asked if she could go to the bathroom. <laughs> I guess you're just on Twitter or something. I thought you were going to tell me about the student who said there was too much writing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so it doesn't matter even if the, even if the reason is ridiculous. Um, yeah. We don't we don't care. It's no questions asked. No no lawyerly uh, weaselly fine print. It's any you know you can invoke the guarantee uh, after, at the first class or right after it's, you know same day. Just to remove all risk. There's, there's really no reason. Not As a note, to... I did I did take that comment to heart, and I did reduce the amount of note taking the students take. So I would question that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I gave them guided notes so that they're not writing every single word down. They're just taking their okay little notes. Fine. Just wait till he gets to college. It's not, not going to be that easy. <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Okay. So anyway, um, so all you have to do to to enroll, and there's a there's a coupon code, uh, early action we'll get you the $100 off for these courses. Okay, so now let me go through some of these questions here. Um, Kenneth, when, what is the strategy these days for guessing when you run out of time? You make a random guess. Yeah. <laughs> there's, really strategy, there's a lot of, I'm sorry? Well, it's not really a strategy other than just making sure you answer everything, right? Yeah, I mean, I would put it a bubble in for everything. There's no, there used to be a penalty on the SAT for, um, putting a wrong answer rather than leaving it blank. That's gone. There are a lot of rumors going around that C is the best answer. Um, and someone told me on The Simpsons, they said it was B. Oh, um, that's credible. Yeah, the C thing came along because uh, there the old, on the old college board books that gave us 10 SAT practice tests, someone went through those 10 tests and figured out that C was the right answer more often than the other ones by a very, very small margin. But that's not a good sample size. That's all 10 tests out of hundreds. Right. So we can't extrapolate any information from that. So, you know, well, I, I would just, go with the Simpsons because a lot of those writers went to Harvard and they probably had good scores. <laughs> okay, so choose B. <laughs> um, Bill, uh, for which test is a calculator permitted? For both tests, um, on, it's only uh, permitted on one section each, in each test, however. The SAT has a calculator section, which is the last section of the test. 
but there is a shorter no calculator section before then that has 20 questions where no calculator is permitted. The ACT uh, allows a calculator on the entire math section, but not on any of the other sections, which would only come into play in science where there's a very, very minimal amount of math. So you're really not at a disadvantage <laughs> losing the calculator on that. So yeah, both SAT and the ACT do permit the use of scientific and graphing calculators. Great. Okay, so we already answered the question from Mick about uh, when should you start preparing for the SAT. It's you know anytime sooner than the second half of junior year. I think uh, the summer before junior year, the fall. Like now, when we're doing this recording, that's ideal. Um, some kids start earlier, right? There's, there's a lot of um, kids from other countries yeah. who start in eighth or ninth grades or even earlier. Like, what, what would you say I, about that? I mean, if you can handle <laughs> the stress and the expense of it. It certainly can't hurt. I would definitely do it uh, as a lighter sort of studying, starting in, in say ninth grade rather than maybe the summer of 10th grade. Okay. Um, Jonathan, does Marissa use software? I guess I know the, this answer. Um, I think I know this. Does Marissa use software to help analyze how a student is doing on the practice test to better determine where and what to focus on? I do not have software, but I will go through the tests with the students when they have a question on it, and I try to look for patterns if there's any particular areas of weakness. But students are going over their own uh, wrong answers on their own and with me in class, so we're seeing sort of live what the areas of weakness are, and I do re make recommendations of additional resources depending on what the weaknesses are of any single student. Yeah. I mean, you're using your software in your head, your yes. 20 years of experience. Organic yeah. software. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, it's great. Um, all right, Ravi, how, uh, and I guess we covered this one too, how to decide whether to go for the SAT or the ACT. Um, our, our preferred method is to take a diagnostic, which Marissa put together, it's half SAT, half ACT. Uh, we just ordered a whole bunch more, and um, I guess, we did, did, we just, did we think we're gonna have them in time for this Saturday? They're done now, so They're, okay. Yeah. So, so just email. Um, I'll put my email here privately if you're interested. Well, if you sign if you sign up for one of the, the courses and you're still not sure which one you want to take, start with the diagnostic, and then we can flip you to the other course. I'm gonna put my email address here uh, in the chat, um, just in case anyone wants to email me directly about that, or more Marissa, which is VIP at LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Okay, um, Lydia, oh no, wait, I'm skipping someone. Kevin, um, long story, but my son is taking the SAT for the first time this month. He just started his senior year. It's scary. What should I be concerned about? Um, let me take a stab at that. It's, um, it's not scary, it just is, but I think that you should be not going for early decision. Uh, which is due November 1st, because you may not give yourself ample time to get your scores up high enough. So chances are you're going to want to go regular, apply regular decision to most of the schools, um, because those deadlines are generally January 1st or maybe even later, which might give you a couple bites at the apple um, this uh, this fall for your senior son. Do you have any, anything that you want to add on that one, Marissa? Yeah, I would just definitely plan on the rest of the tests. The latest, I, I think, is December, right? You could reasonably uh, for both. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a. I should have that information committed to memory, but I don't have it. <laughs> so he's got three shots. Yeah, he's got his three. He's three shots, and but I. I would take it very seriously because yeah. there is no fourth shot at this point. So I would yeah. definitely start studying intensively. It's not enough just to buy, a like a, a book from Barnes and Noble, and just like do like the Barron's book or something. That's not going to be uh, very useful. I would do hardcore studying at least a practice test per week. Okay, um, so so Lydia asked a related question: How many times is the test offered each year, and when? It's like either it's almost every other month in some cases, and sometimes yeah. it's monthly, right? About, but I think it's about seven times each one. About I could be and a over the time. summer now too, right? I'm sorry. And over the summer now. Yeah, um, yeah, they have summer classes, they have summer tests as well. So I, I would, I think it's about seven times a year. It's all listed on the College Board website, collegeboard.org, and the um, ACT website, act.org. Um, okay, Ravi, uh, where do you conduct classes? We are in Weston, Florida. 
we actually used to live in Western Florida. Hopefully you are safe from the, uh, from the storm down there. Um, our classes are local here, Marissa Tutors by Skype. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email, vip at lockwoodcollegeprep.com. I'm also in Florida sometimes. <laughs> we have a place. She's in Florida sometimes, and I actually um, I could give you a referral down there if, uh, if, if necessary. Um, Marissa, I need to keep you in New York, so. Okay. <laughs> Just keep that comment to yourself. All right. Uh, would it be wiser to start prepping in 10th grade versus junior year? Well, I think, you know, this, the summer in between 10th and 11th seems to be ideal, but. And it also depends on what level of math the students in. If the students are already in right. Algebra 2 in 10th grade, then you're more likely to get more benefit from starting earlier. Mm. Okay. Um, Prashant, doesn't the ACT turn out to be more expensive overall since a single SAT report contains all your SAT and SAT subject tests, whereas ACT ch charges individually for every single test sitting? Um, I don't even know the answer to that. My, my feeling is that is just a drop in the bucket compared to what college costs you know, to, to attend. So my advice is not to get hung up on the nickels and dimes. You do have to pay every time you sit for an SAT. But in terms of the report sending and the ordering and, and all that, I, I think it's about the same. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's also more expensive to, to register for as well. What is? I think the ACT is also more expensive to register for yeah. as well. But, I mean, I wouldn't let that be a determining factor. I think it's much more important to match yourself with, with the test that you're better at. Yeah. And if you, you know, you take it a couple of times and you score high enough so you get a, you know, a, a twenty dollars to $30,000 scholarship, then that, that's going to be worth the, you know, the extra nickels and dimes. And for, for lower income families, too, I believe they also sometimes offer fee waivers for right. these. Yeah. So if that's something you might qualify for, that's something worth looking into. Yeah. Um, Robbie's asking what are the fees. I, I think that's about... Um, Assume it's about our fees, not the College Board or ACT fees. Yeah, if you just if you click on the blue, that blue button, it takes you to our test prep website that lists all of our programs. We have tutoring and, and classes. The classes have different different prices because it depends on the number of hours that come with the class. In case anybody's confused by the pricing, right? And I think you told me it works out to be roughly fifty dollars an hour in the, in the classes. Yeah, give or take. Okay, um, and the tutoring, of course, is is more. That's one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Chris, regarding course content completed prior to AC or SAT prep, what classes must be completed, meaning in high school, I think? I don't know if you need to complete any, really, right? I mean, basic I mean, math. require it <laughs> to take it. Yeah. Um, the uh, SAT and the ACT both cover up through Algebra 2 on the math. So... You know, a lot of students prefer to at least have completed Algebra 1 before take, before starting studying and beginning uh, taking the test. That doesn't mean that you have to wait until you've completed Algebra 2 to start the test. In fact, most students haven't because that would mean you're not taking the test until your senior year for the majority of students. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it really depends on what your school makeup is like, but there's nothing that you absolutely have to have done. But if you haven't at least completed Algebra 1, you're going to be struggling in the math section of either test. Okay. Let me just pick up a few more questions here that aren't necessarily flagged as questions. That's harder for me. I'm not complaining. Um, Shelly, should you ever take the first one knowing it's just practice, even if you're not ready, but need to get all three in? Oh, definitely, right? Well, it depends. I wouldn't take it completely cold. Um, it's not really going to benefit you uh, going in there without any strategy and any preparation. And you also have a small danger of flagging, being flagged for possibly cheating if you have like a huge score increase. Okay. You're taking it cold and then doing much yeah. better after taking it studying. It's a very small risk, but it just isn't worth taking it in my opinion. But if you're doing some prep before then, then absolutely. I would take it, even though if you don't feel like you're 100% prepared. My only exception to that is if the student has a lot of test anxiety. Mm. And if that's going to make that anxiety worse. We don't want that first experience to be that bad. So 
I mean, I, I just compare it to like a sport. Like you, you know, you have a preseason yeah. and you have actual games. And you know, when you, if you look at a football team or a basketball team, they they have a bunch of practices. They have preseason scrimmages, and then they have a schedule. And usually, the first few games of their schedule are, are against easier opponents. That's kind of like you know, test taking. You're not going to knock it out of the park in your first test, but you shouldn't yeah. go in cold either. You got to do some prep. But they all build on each other. And we offer um, mock and diagnostic tests, which are just, they're both just practice tests in our office. So that's a less expensive and less stressful way to get that first practice in. Yeah, it's like baby steps. Yeah. Um, okay, so got some more questions here. Joe De Palma, do you recommend taking each ACT attempt at each successive session or to space them out? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear everything that you said. So do you recommend taking each a ACT at each session, meaning at each time it's given? Oh, or I see. should you take a couple of sessions off and sp spread them out? I prefer to take them close together, but of course there are exceptions if a student is entering a very busy period of time. I think it's fine to skip a session, especially the SAT because they're so close together. Um, but the ACTs are pretty far apart during the school year. I, I really prefer to keep them close together if possible because if you're not practicing in the interim, if you just take a break from both studying and taking the test, students can forget or they can backslide a little bit. But if you're going to continue to study and skip, skip a session, I think there's no harm in that, certainly. Okay. Um. Renee wants to know, among the tests for ACT, is it better to take it in October or December if we want to do regular decision for college? So I assume that means of senior year. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse. It's whenever you're going to do the best. If, if you haven't put in, you know, if you haven't hit your, your top score, then, yeah, I think it's okay to, to do October. I think December might be too late. Um, because, well, how long does it take usually? If there's no writing involved, does it take about 10 days for the ACT to come back? It can take 10 days, but it can take, they say, up to five weeks or so. Yeah. It's, it's usually done within two to two to three weeks. December yeah. might be too late if you're applying regular decision with a December 31st or January 1st deadline. January 1st? I know a lot of students do take it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't risk it. I would rather just be more comfortable and take the October, take the stress out of it, then leave the December as a backup option in case something terrible happened on, during the October date. Hmm. Um, okay, so uh, Robbie had some questions about costs. Just just email us and we can get on the phone and, and talk about them. I don't I don't know if you're in Weston, then I don't know how in Florida. I don't know how you would do a, a weekday course. So um, tutoring is, is probably the only thing that we can offer you, unless Marissa somehow behind my back goes down to Florida and, and, and offers a class with a bunch of people, a bunch of kids in it. So, <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know if that's realistic, but just, just send me an email. We can uh, speak tomorrow. Um, all right, a few more questions that were not flagged here. So we're wrapping up. Hopefully you guys are finding this very helpful. Um, uh, it's great. The, the questions are great, and I'm glad you're asking them because these are not things that we would have prepared for. I, I can tell you that personally. I love the questions. They're so interesting. Yeah, so thank, thanks for, for asking them, and hopefully you, you guys are getting value out of this session here. Um, Lawrence, how long can you keep a score? My daughter will take a French SAT subject test this November as in 10th, as in 10th grade. That's fine. It's anytime during high school, maybe even thereafter. Um, I will say that you really need to be in the mid-700s on the subject test to have any type of beneficial impact, ultimately. So um, if you don't hit that, then you could probably take it again um, if you think it's worth it. Okay, any other questions or comments going once? Saw something about, oh, do you also provide SA2 prep, SAT2 any subject test prep, or what is the best way to do that? Um, you were talking about doing math, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's something we are hoping to offer very, very soon. It just needs to get a curriculum together. But And I, I also offer the literature as well. So you'll probably be offering literature plus math. Yeah, we're, um, we're building out our network of um, SAT subject test tutors. I'm in the process of, of finding chemistry and bio um, people. 
So as of right now, we're not offering it, but um, we're going to hopefully do that, uh, have that ability sometime soon. Email us soon. Um, okay, so I see a few more comments, but no, no real, uh, nothing else going on here. So if there's no other questions, then, oh, sorry, that always happens. Um, when is the last test date available? Oh, two more. When is the last, when is the last uh, test date available for the SCT and ACT for seniors? I think that's October, November. Um, yeah, the, it's, for senior right now, you've got October, for the SAT, you have October, November, December. And the ACT left is, I mean, unless you're registered for the September 14th exam, after that, you've got one in October and one in December. Good. And Ravi, one more question about fees. Uh, it's all listed on, we have different packages. They're all on our website. Just click that blue button that says enroll, or you can go to lockwoodtestprep.com and click on tutoring, and you'll you'll see everything. Okay. That, uh, oh, and Chris is saying, would SAT2 be in person or online? Um, to be determined. Most likely in person if you're local. Oh, yeah, one-on-one, -on -one, you have the option. Whatever's more convenient for you. Depends on the subject, depends on, yeah, what you need, what we're able to do. So, okay. So um, I want to thank everyone for, uh, for participating. Thank you, Marissa, for, uh, for answering these questions also. Um, like I said before, hope you all found this to be valuable. And uh, we will be coming on the air uh, next week with uh, another webinar on financial aid and merit aid and, and scholarships and uh, a little bit of admissions type stuff. So keep an eye, if you're on our email, you should be on our email list if you signed up for this webinar. Uh, keep an eye out for that invitation. And if you have any questions, you have my personal email address. We, uh, we monitor that ourselves and I will respond to you. So thanks again, Marissa. Any closing comments or, or words of wit and wisdom? Just stay calm and study early. <laughs> okay. Words to live by. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood. Don't forget to visit our website, LockwoodCollegePrep.com, for some more free, valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit LockwoodCollegePrep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.